All right, welcome back to the second episode of Hold My Remote. I'm Joel. I'm here with Sandal and Andrew. And today we are going to talk about Voltron, the new Netflix series, which is a reboot of the old series, which premiered on television in the 1980s, was it? Is that right, guys? 1984! Yeah, yeah. I I have no idea. I'm going to trust Holland on this one. (laughs) Well, it was a... I will, too. Toe uh, animation. Uh, it premiered, uh, I think September, September around there, nineteen eighty four, and then went to nineteen eighty five. So yeah, so okay. reboot. Yeah, I I see I see in the wiki it is based on Beast King Go Lion. Yeah, by <laughs> yeah. Is it Toe or Toei? I, I always thought it was Toe. I think Toei. It's Toei. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, Toei. My apologies. Wait, so it only went for a year? No problem. The original? Yeah. In Japan, it says there were 52 episodes, and I think that there are standard 52-episode anime series that premiere in a year, so that, that doesn't surprise oh, okay. me. Yeah, they yeah, were Yeah, I guess the Netflix chops. one has been broken up into, like, the seasons are broken up into way less episodes, so... I was going to say, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, well, the oh, Netflix yeah, one's sure. already doing better, but okay. <laughs> well, hmm... Wait, are you saying animation-wise or just longevity? Well, clearly animation-wise because it's just it's newer. <laughs> it's not from the '80s. Well, I, I think the distinction is is that 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 uh, original Beast King Go Lion film or anime series rather is different than what we think of as Voltron, which was available in the U.S., which is Voltron: Defender of the Universe. You're right, and that's a 1984-85 half-hour animated series. Provide, pro, it says produced by World Events Productions, so that that's like worldwide content. It's big, yeah. Okay. So if we were really hardcore, we could go back and we could review a Beast King Go Lion uh, series. It's a good as, thing as, we're as, uh, not because I don't <laughs> want to do that. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> could spend the first four episodes really delving deep into the lore of, uh, of Voltron <laughs> and its predecessors. No, I mean, I think they no, just... No, I, I don't think that's quite necessary. No, I think they just really took the whole the whole lion aspect of it and then just applied a whole different twist on it, I think. Not really... A, You're talking about the the difference between the original Japanese Yeah, I don't want to even talk about that. Series. I just want to talk about the, the new one, the remake. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Let's, let's jump into it. So <laughs> I, I think what we should do here is... And, you know, for any potential audience members listening, uh, that we should focus in this episode and future episodes on specific parts, not necessarily like specific scenes or anything like that, but but like the plot and characterization, the design of the series that we're reviewing, those sorts of more, you know, I I was talking to Sandal about this. It's not really academic exactly. I'm not I'm not looking for no highfalutin podcast but yeah no you know just just something that's a little bit more focused than perhaps we were that that first time around (laughs) yeah i'm i'm on board for that and actually i had a question for you joel because i kind of wanted to see what you thought about this but since you were interested in the world building what did you think of the world building in in voltron like because they're going to all these other planets you've got a whole populated galaxy this one's is this one purely based within like a single galaxy or are they like going to multiple galaxies 
Spoiler alert. You know, I I don't know it's super clear. What do you think? Uh, the, the spoiler alert, just to let you guys know, um, yes, this is one universe. Uh-huh. But I think second, third season, you actually find out there is another dimension. So, oh, that's right. So that's... Sure, yeah. No, that that's like a parallel universe yeah. sort of thing. I, I guess yeah. San, Sandal was talking more about like the physical geography of yeah, the world. Like, the are they, scale of it. Is you know, it all contained within one galaxy or is oh, it within yeah, yeah, one yeah. universe? No, it's, it's, all, it's all one universe, yeah. Okay, so they are moving between multiple galaxies in this. Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know that it's super yeah, clear. Yeah, it's not that really. clear. I, you know, I, I assume what, what you would think is, is that, you know, a galaxy is a really huge space, so it could be yeah. easily within the same galaxy. They, they never really en- enter into the realm of, of sci-fi where they talk about traveling. Like, sir, we've just breached the, you know, such and such galaxy that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Well, the, and that was like the original, <laughs> the 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 question within the question was like, what did you think of the world building since they're working in such a grand scale of like, oh, we've got all these different worlds within this galaxy and we've got to somehow have some sort of like order to it all, but still make everything, you know, all these planets still have their unique characteristics that are interesting. No, that's that's sure. I I think I think they do a pretty good job on that actually. No, yeah, I think it's probably one of the best, one of the better shows out there that actually shows the dynamic of okay. So we have um, the 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 bad guy, the villain. Um, you guys remember his name? <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have the wiki open. Gosh darn it! Uh, what's his name? Who? The baddie. Oh, you cut out yeah. there a little bit again. I, yeah. The the bad guy, the villain. Zarkon? Yeah, Zarkon. That's a good name. Yeah. That is so, a good name. Uh, Zarkon. Yeah, no, the, the Galar are, are interesting. Yeah. So are the, the Altaeans. You know, well, I think it's Altaian. kind of confusing. Well, there's two. Or actually, hold on. Joel, have you made it through the whole series yet? Uh, No, I did not watch the most recent <gasps> season. Okay. Oh, it's so good. Ah. I wasn't sure how far we were we were going to talk today, you know, as far as the series was concerned. Yeah. So I didn't watch season five or whatever. No, that's why I just didn't want to be like, oh yeah, you remember this happens in the new season. You're like, oh, that's great. Oh no, that's okay. Yeah. Spoiler I mean, alert, of course. Before <laughs> for anyone listening, always this show's always a, a spoiler alert, just on everything <laughs> that's going to be talked about here. You know, I bet somebody already took spoiler alert the podcast. Oh yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> Probably that, yeah. That's okay. I, I like hold my room. yeah. It's it's. Well, we're uh, not getting invited to premieres and stuff. We don't. <laughs> I don't. We haven't. Like we've we always go see movies together, but I don't think we've ever been to like an opening night uh, of anything, no, not have yet. we? Not yet. Well, you know, I think it's a really interesting sort of thing because when I was in high school and movies released like I remember seeing Spider-Man 2 midnight premiere and that was just so exciting not only because it was a movie premiere I was looking forward to but that it was a midnight release of something and that was a big deal and the the movie theater culture of putting on you know like 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. 
showings on the Thursday before the Friday night release or whatever else sort of dilutes the experience of you know that quote unquote opening night experience. It's kind of more, it's just kind of loosey goosey. It's not really like a hard line like now it's available for everyone everywhere. Sort of. Yeah, thing. I agree with that. I because I, I I had been to. Gosh, I don't remember what specific movies, but some of the bigger, um, like, comic book ones. I would go to, like, midnight releases, or even, like, like midnight releases of games. Like, when I went to the midnight release for, um, oh, God, it was, either, it was either Halo 2 or Halo 3. But that was huge. Like, that was fun. We were, like, we were camped out in the mall. Like, people with, like, lawn chairs. We were camped out there for, like... We weren't actually camped out. We were in the mall, so we were just sitting in there in, like, chairs and stuff. But for, like, hours before it, and you're talking to people, and it's a lot of fun, and they were, like, doing giveaways and stuff, and they don't have yeah, that anymore. Yeah. Like, even with, um... What? Yeah, they do. The Microsoft Store and Keystone does it. Well, you know, you can go to it, but honestly, I think that what we're talking about, these experiences, are experiences of the 90s and 2000s, yeah. and not of the 2010s. The- you know, I don't. I don't think we're gonna really see a culture of giant lines at midnight premieres either for films or video games, especially because of the prevalency of digital media. Yeah. Because you know, like if I can download a game at midnight, then there's no reason for me to physically be somewhere unless I'm specifically looking for that more communal experience where maybe I'm hanging out with some people I don't know, looking forward to a game that's coming out. Yeah, okay. yeah, they don't do that, or or they don't make it like back then too. That was like your only option to do it. Like you said, there wasn't a seven p.m. the Thursday night before release. It was there was a midnight release. It was going to come out on technically the day it was coming out. You were gonna see it. Yeah. At the very beginning of that day, and like now, there's still like because you could we could still do a midnight movie release of a movie, but there's the seven p.m. option. And it's like that's not you know. They used to not. Back in my day, they didn't. We didn't. We only had the midnight releases. Like <laughs> that was the only option. Midnight releases, yeah. You know, I I actually think it's interesting too because just the culture of media consumption has changed. Like you know, we're talking about about Voltron today, and you know, I don't know. Did you watch the original series when it was on television? No, uh-uh. Andrew, no. Oh. I wasn't. Well, I know. Wasn't even I know you're not that old. I wasn't but, even that born yet. Well, I don't know because I didn't. I didn't know if if maybe that was one of the things that that reran on a station that you had <laughs> access to. No, um, no, it was just. Uh, but yeah, you do have a point because now what? Netflix has them available all at once. While back then, yeah, I mean, it was once a week. Yeah. That that's that's the way that we ha- even have the opportunity to re- do these long form reviews over whole series because you can watch the entirety of it from your bedroom or on your phone. I, I mean, could you have imagined watching anything seriously on a cell phone ten years ago? Like, no, it, no. it wouldn't have no, even wouldn't been have one of my wildest dreams. Well, ten years ago, I would have had a. Um, mm. Oh man, what was it called? It was like chocolate or something like that do yeah you remember, do you know what phone and i'm it, talking about it was like it I slid exactly up that was when about, like yeah. phones still <laughs> slid and like flipped open and stuff and yeah that, an lg lg chocolate yes i, I had an, L, yes. an lg chocolate in blue ice which was a, a little bit fruity 
but um, <laughs> oh no, I had the black and red. But yeah, I had no, I, that I had, phone. I had a Verizon exclusive, the LG Chocolate in blue ice. <laughs> I remember we had to drive because, like, the whole big thing with that was like uh, their whole gimmick with that phone was like you could listen to music with it, or it was like a re- it was mm. a really good. Uh, it doubled as like an MP3 player or whatever. And I remember you could yeah. only get like the only had it. It didn't have a just a generic uh, auxiliary port. It just it had like a very specific one pair of headphones you could buy for it. And I went, me and my mom drove out like we were out in like Muncie, like thirty or forty minutes from where we lived. And like I remember getting those, and I was so excited. And they were the most uncomfortable, awful things, and I never used them. It was like <laughs> like the part the exterior of the headphone that went in your ear was just this, like, crappily jagged plastic. And I was like, this is awful. I'm going to go buy a Zune. Hey. See, you know, th- there you go. That's uh, that's another example of, of something where you had to physically go out and do something instead of, hey, I wonder what this particular uh, audio device is like. What are its reviews on Amazon? Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> what are its reviews on, like, yeah, Amazon, Newegg, like, tons of review sites. Well, and, and with the games yeah, like, too, it's like you can, like you said, you can just download it. You can pre-download it and then play it when it comes out with like minimal download time, too. Yep. You know, I and I, I, I don't want to kind of treat it like you know this is and uh, universally negative or we're losing something in culture. I mean, maybe we are losing something, I suppose. But, but like, I, I think it's pretty cool that we have the opportunity to to do all these things and have access to them. So so easily you know because like i i grew up with dial-up you know i had dial-up for ages longer than i had you know like everybody else i knew had cable at this point you know and we were still screeching our way to the internet and and uh, now i have you know super fast internet like just like i i never would have been able to dream of a lot of the stuff that we have available today super fast yeah well the world's great well, get back. To, let's 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 not get to, carried away. With yeah, let's getting, not go too far. Getting back to Voltron. But yes, so, back to Voltron. So basically, the synopsis of this is um, the season one is basically a, the building of the team. Really, it essentially yeah. is building, introducing the characters, and uh, I think Rotten Tomatoes has a hundred percent from the critics. It's one of for the, season one specifically, yeah, or for the whole for show. Season no, just for season one, it's it's pretty impressive. There goes um, the cork. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, there we oh, go. Yeah, I can oh, sorry. Sure. Uh, no, that's no, actually not surprising. Fine. I did. I thought like season one really got me into the show too, and like because when I, I when I saw it pop up on Netflix, like when season one had just come out, I. I sat there and, like, it was one of those ones where I was like, well, I guess I could give it a try. It didn't look that interesting to me, especially, like, the the actual design of Ultron with his hands being the mouth, like, lion, the, the mouth of a lion. I was like, that's just kind of weird and dumb. Hey, no, I didn't well, like that. What's wrong with that? I don't know. <laughs> that's pretty cool. It just cool. seems like, I don't know, but that was, I was, you know, against it originally. And I started, I watched, I think, like, two or three episodes and I was sitting there, I was like, I'm getting a real serious uh, Avatar feel from this, and I'm really liking it. Well, so funny you say that. Um, most of the writers from Avatar, Last Airbender, and mm. Korra, 
um, actually were uh, came over since it was it's DreamWorks Animation um, that is doing this. Josh Hamilton, one of the uh, writers, is from Avatar. He's he's one of the biggest prominent writers from that series, Avatar, that came over for yeah, and the and the the production studio is Studio Mir, who did the animation on the Legend of Korra. Yep. And okay. I don't I don't think that they did the original and an, no uh, no they didn't animation no. for the the first series but but uh, the reason you know you can transition from one series to the other and think wow this has a you know a really similar visual feel then that's exactly why well I mean it's more sci-fi ish but you could definitely oh, yeah. see the 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 uh, similarities in it for sure yeah I see like the the animation style I did feel the same, but it was the characters, like the character dialogue and stuff. For some reason, it just I had the same feel as when I was watching, and yeah, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, they... I, I felt the same as you know watching their interactions. I, I just it felt the same, and I I like that because that's that's a fantastic show. That's that's the one thing I I I really did nitpick about it for seasons one through. three too because it was it kind of piggybacked off of avatar um the character building which which again i'm this is really nitpicking but that once they grew out of it in the season two and three it finally uh, blossomed into something a lot more voltron it it focused on you know the dynamics of okay this is a team what are they going to do to fight against the galras and they have you know princess alura with their with their help and Koran and stuff. I mean, the whole team dynamic is just really, really well put together. Versus um, season one, where well, it was just like, oh, okay, this is basically, uh, <laughs> you know, Avatar. Um, Avatar the, in space with right, robots. Yeah. <laughs> with robots, <laughs> yeah. What was season? We we are really tuned into Avatar because we talked about it in the last episode too. Did oh, we? it's a great show. Yes. Well, yeah. We, we, did say, we were we talking about? Oh the, no, no, no. We were I'm talking sorry. about the movie Avatar. No, I I look like a, an idiot here. I I just I zoned out and then I zoned back in again. <laughs> oh, you were thinking like uh, blue blue no, people? Yeah, like blue people. <laughs> For some reason, I thought we were talking about blue oh. people again. I was like, I. I guess. I mean, that that film is set in space. Joel's sitting here like, I did not get a Blue People Avatar feel from this, guys. I really just didn't. <laughs> what was... No. Uh, you're, okay, you're you're going to have to kind of recap me. What was the what was the direction of season two? Because, like, I remember season one with the team building, getting into space. Um, you know, you're, oh, we've, we've, we've flushed out our enemy. We've, we've met Zarkon. We've got a little bit of background between Zarkon and... Um, well, so, so the very final scene of the first, or excuse me, of the final episode of the first season uh, is is where I think that they first encounter Zarkon. It looks like, you know, from the the list of synopses, that is right. So it's where they, they get scattered. They're trying to do a jump. Oh, no, and yeah. And then yes. each of the paladins is, is sent to different yeah, parts. Season, oh, right. And then the second one, season is like where they kind of develop their secondary abilities with the lion. Is that correct. right? Correct. Yes, that is yeah, correct. Yeah, I, yep. I okay. think that's right. Yep. Yeah, it, it's... Ba- yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And so, you know, the, it's leading up, and that's... That's great with a series like this, uh, TV series and not a movie, mm-hmm. that you can actually 
develop some of the offside characters. Like Karan, for example, is an exceptional character. He's oh, hilarious. Yeah. He's he's got the support, you know, he's backing up Allura, but he's also got the comedic side. It's just really well done. I think I don't I think season three where he sets up I don't want to uh, uh, well I'll spoil it he sets it up the um, like a campaign and shows uh, Voltron all over the place and he's a uh, the campaign oh, yeah. manager oh that that yeah. part with him is that that it's is the best fantastic. like grand part yeah <laughs> it's so good where he takes that like brainworm thing and he's all it, it it's like he's on speed twenty four seven right. He's just, <laughs> It is fantastic, yeah. It's so good. You know, let, let's actually take a step back here real quick, because I, I think it's important to kind of to talk real quick about the, the different characters that we have. So, you know, we're, we're introduced over time. So we start out and we have the first sequence in the first episode where you have Lance, yep. who is the sort of the comedic relief part of the team, along with Hunk, I suppose. yeah. And, He's kind of uh, like the. Then, uh, he, he reminds me of so- uh, Sokka from Avatar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah. a little bit like Sokka. He even kind of looks like Sokka. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. You know what's interesting too is is I don't know if if you guys had this experience, but he is he is voiced. So you know, again, we're we're talking about Lance here. Is voiced by Jeremy Shada, who is or Shada. I'm not sure exactly on his name pronunciation, but. He is the voice of Finn from Adventure Time. And it took me a long time to stop hearing Finn and to start hearing Lance. <laughs> like there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of a difference for sure, especially in, in that it's a little bit more serious and intentionally like a little less squeaky than Finn might be, for example. Yeah. But, but that, was, that was at least that a, was, a little bit of that a, was a mental hurdle It was a hurdle me. for you. <laughs> Can I admit this to you guys? What? I've never watched Adventure <laughs> sure. Time. What? <laughs> I've never seen it. I know. I I've heard that it's really good, but I've never it's, watched it's it. It's not. It it's not. Uh, it's not for everyone. So you know, I don't. I wouldn't worry about not having seen it. I think it's really creative. I think that there's a lot of really engaging storylines. I I sort of tapered off watching it, and I heard that it was maybe a little bit less creatively focused after Pendleton Ward less, left the project. But they they developed a lot of really Im- impressive talent off of the show as well. People who started on Adventure Time went off to create their own series, like I think probably most notably is Rebecca Sugar. And Rebecca Sugar is responsible for the music in a lot of the episodes that we like, like you know the On a Tropical Island song that uh, that Jake sings, for example. So a lot of those those uh, little bits of music are are hers, and then you know she she developed that and then went on to create Steven Universe, which I think is also a really solid series. And Steven, <laughs> yeah, she does. Um, she writes all the the music in that too as well. Okay. I don't know. Maybe I'll yeah, have to. So, I'll, I'll have to check it out at some point. But I would. I would wait if 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 it were me because they actually are going to end it here pretty shortly. I think. Soon. Yeah. Yeah. Real soon. Oh, are yeah. they? Well. I'll, yes. Well, yeah. then I won't rush. Yeah. Don't I'll, rush. I'll get to it eventually. Yeah. yeah. There's <laughs> man. Shows just keep popping up though. Every time I'm like, oh, I need to catch up on this. I'll I'll look over and Netflix has like a new show or something that I want to check out. Yeah. So. 
TV. I just, that's over just not you know, that's, time. That's the world we live yeah, in. Pretty over much like I, I was uh, I was playing something or I was I've been playing a lot of Fallout 4, but um I just like popped over to Netflix real quick and they have that new um oh god, what was it called? Lost in Space. Oh and sure. So I started yeah. watching that a little bit. But yeah, it's just it's nonstop. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um Lance, Hulk, Keith. Don't forget or, Keith. Well, Hunk. Hunk. Yeah. Hulk. Or Hunk, yeah. <laughs> I said Hulk. So, you know, I I'm sorry. What, what I think is really really funny is is that uh so the cast uh, I I also recognized uh Hunk that's Tyler Labine and I don't really actually know him from all that much except for the film that he was in with uh oh I can't remember the name of the actor off the top of the, the guy he he plays in uh, Serenity I'll look it up real quick just so that I know what it is Serenity uh, yeah Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Well, Serenity is is the film version of Firefly, the TV show. So he was in it with. Oh no, uh, I I'm, I know. I'm just like, what was he in though? Where was he in that? Oh, I I don't I don't know. No, he wasn't. He wasn't in Serenity. I'm saying that Alan Tudyk. Oh. So Alan Tudyk plays Tucker in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and then Tyler Labine plays Dale. So that's that's another oh. fun little. That's a recommendation for me. So if if you like horror comedy, Tucker Tucker and Dale versus Evil is is pretty funny, and not too scary either. Was, is that the one where they're like out in a cabin in the woods and like just horrible things just keep happening and they keep getting blamed that's, for it? That's right. Yeah, no, yes, I've seen yep, that. So, that is so, no, it's it it is really good. It's so funny because they're, they're just, just like two, two, two normal country. Yeah, dudes. they're two lovable, well-meaning country dudes, and it's like a group of campers out, and just like awful, violent, terrible things just keep accidentally happening, and it keeps looking like they're murdering people, and it's yeah, you know, it's it's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then and then let's see. So next we have uh, oh, so Pidge. You know, Pidge is is funny. Uh, the actress who plays her is named Bex Taylor Klaus, and and I don't I don't know that anybody even would know who she was except I actually did because I watched the AMC series that eventually migrated over to Netflix called The Killing, and she plays a like a homeless a homeless girl in in one of the seasons of The Killing. I'm gonna have to oh. check that out. I I almost want to watch that a little bit just to see just to see the voice. Well, you could skip forward to that particular season. I, I would warn you in advance that The Killing is is not a TV show that you should get into. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Like Smallville. <laughs> yeah, like it's Smallville. like Smallville. Oh, yeah. I, I I can say that I watched it, but but I would not recommend it. I'm I'm sure that you would say the same. Oh, don't forget. I'll never uh, get over that. Keith, you have uh, Glenn from uh, Walking Dead. Yep. Yep, that's uh, Stephen. Is it Yoon? Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce Yoon it. Yeah. Wait, that's Glenn name? from Walking Dead. Yep. Oh, yep I like sure him is. a lot less now. <laughs> Not. No. I, to me, that's actually kind of funny because Keith is one of my like least favorite characters out what? of like all what? of them. Why is your least favorite? Well, okay. I don't know. It's just something about his attitude. It's it's like yeah, get I, over I'm it, dude. You. Yeah, he's he's a little bit angry. Yeah, and and I mean. 
that's like almost unnecessarily so. right yeah, it's but, like okay i agree with you but that's it's, it's his personality can you still be angry though when you're like on this <laughs> grand adventure because seriously like this is the earth like they have some they have you know the earth in their world is more advanced than ours they have you know better forms of space travel but they're still kind of clunky compared to like what he's doing now he's going to like all sorts of alien civilizations and he's part of this like gigantic fighting robot force and it's like dude come on well you get to know who he is uh, well spoilers for those who didn't see season five you get to find out who he really is which is keith you yes mean? it's pretty fantastic oh, like his his background sure i mean he's he's half gara is what we learn at some point what? correct no yeah that's at season five Oh yeah, because he yeah, has the, I think that's the blade a little thing. Weird. Yeah, I don't see it. Like, I mean, he's not purple at yeah. all. Like, like all of the other people, like Prince Lotor in uh, season is that season four? Yeah. No, season three that he's introduced. He's introduced correct? Yeah. Yeah. So his team are all halflings. Yeah. And all of them are purple. All of them have like are dominant are dominated by Golra characteristics. Yet, I. I don't know. This is this is probably nitpicking the like science or stuff behind it, but I have a really hard time imagining that human DNA is dominant over Gulra <laughs> to to, to well, that extent to where he doesn't even remotely <laughs> resemble one. <laughs> no, that's that's true. Though I think that what's really interesting, and and uh, this is a, a little segue into uh, Star Trek, but the way that Star Trek justifies having all of these humanoid aliens. Which, you know, I guess in, if you think about it, I mean, you know, if there are other, if there is other life, it's likely not bipedal. Yeah. You know, so unless it, it happens to be some really basic core design that, that, that leads creatures to become bipedal. But the way that Star Trek deals with that is that there's some like long ago progenitor race that spread DNA, basically, like the foundations of life across the entirety of the universe and that's oh, why you have, okay. you know, different variations, but, but everything is humanoid. Right, but the core, like so, two legs, two arms, and the whole generic setup of it is the same. Yeah. Yeah, so, so like, I at the very least, I think my point in saying that is that if your headcanon is like, oh, sure, well, there are just, like, humanoid creatures across the universe, then maybe it's less of a stretch to imagine that, that two humanoids who had a child together would maybe just have that humanoid look <laughs> more like one half than the yeah. other. So, I mean, it does. It's not a killer like immersion breaking sort of thing. No, but, uh -uh. you know, I, I think it's it's obviously one of those things where where uh, the writing team was not thinking well, well in advance. Like, hey, he should be half Galra, and and then you know designing his character accordingly. Well, they did they did justify it with Prince Lotor for sure because I could see the characteristics of Alterian. In him, then is that I farther did. than where Joel is? Oh, of the Altaians. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Altaians. yeah. Oh no, we we know. Okay, so we know that uh, that uh, Hagatha Hagar, I think is is her name, or ha Hagar. No, you're right, Hagar. Hagar. Hagar yeah. No, that, that's 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 my Hearthstone love bleeding into the podcast because there's a <laughs> there's a new Hearthstone called card called Hagatha. Hagatha? So that's such a terrible yeah, name. What's wrong with that? No, she's she's a she's a replacement. Uh, She's a card that you can play, and it replaces your hero in uh, as a shaman, and it turns your your hero power into a passive ability that when you play a minion, you get a random shaman spell in your hand. It's kind of fun. 
See, for me, since my name's so weird, I always think, like, when I hear random uh, sci-fi or, like, fantasy names, I'm like, maybe if I have kids, I should just name them weird stuff and, like, Hagatha. Just imagining <laughs> naming a human girl Hagatha. Just, no. you're going to have a hard time, sweetheart. Just, you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that, that's just not Hagatha. Nice. <laughs> I'm uh, just, I, you can, like, assume, she, is she, like, an old, wretch-looking kind of woman, unattractive? Uh, yeah, yeah. She's, she's like I mean, she she's, looks, she's an old does witch. She look like I mean, a she's hag. like hag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, okay. So, but not what the you, show though. Actually, this this is actually mentioning Hagar brings up something that I was kind of interested in because at the end of where you're at, Joel, I think Zarkon is taken out. Right? He's out of the picture. Well, he was out of the picture in the season by the end of season. He's three, sort of out of the picture. When, yeah. When well, he's he's in his uh, his, oh, his coma, his right? Yeah. So, what do you think about if Zarkon is not in the show? What do you think about like who can replace him as a legitimate villain? Because the next person in line would kind of be her, right? I don't know. She seems like an sort of a, a secondary character. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really it's a uh, it's really important to the plot though i mean she is his wife like she's she's forgotten about it i guess yeah, and, she... and he had he maybe did too i don't know no uh... i don't no i don't think so i because he even though both of them were taking the quintessence um that's what was really corrupting them i think he's still yeah i still yeah. i still think he knew about it because but had probably just been corrupted to the point where it didn't really matter that they were married like he retained his memories but like his feelings had been overtaken by it he was kind of null or like null to it or whatever yeah Yeah. if that makes sense sense yeah yeah now that okay that actually brings up another question do you guys think that there's like a light and dark side to this quintessence because the lions are powered by it too yeah, I, I think it's just. Uh, I think that's the whole thing about the show is they they're talking about how Voltron is this beacon of light for the universe. Well, it's it's not just about the like whether or not something is universally good or not. It's about the way that those who have power wield it, because that's a lot of what you talk about when you see the the flashback content in season four about the forming of Voltron and the creation of the robots. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. So the, the king, the king of Altea, I, I don't, I don't remember his name off the top of my Alfor? head. Alfor? Alfor. Yeah. Wow. So king, I Alf- even have a king Alfor. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Yeah. King, king Alfor, you know, he, he had good intentions, but, but it didn't mean that that's, that something bad couldn't come out of it. Well, cause like, um, because what was it? Hagar and Zarkon were Hagar was kind of cold, but she wasn't like an evil person originally. And then the the extended exposure to Quintessence is what changes her into what we see. And it, and same for Zarkon. Do you, so do you think that maybe it's a um, maybe maybe ex- extended exposure to Quintessence just draws out uh, the negative side always, or do you think it just draws out like the inner you and it and it amplifies that it. No, I think it, it amplifies the direction in which you're going. Okay, almost like, I, I mean, because because like, I, I think I think what it is is that that uh, any time that a like a raw force is harnessed, 
in media, generally speaking, it's not harnessed in a way that it's like a sacrifice. You know, it, it, it's like in Harry Potter drinking unicorn's blood. It comes at you. you li- sure, you will continue to live, but you'll live half a life. Like you're, you are paying a price for what it offers you as a person. Oh, yeah. And so, like his desire for power and seeking out in the desire for power, I think is is you know, if if he, since that is his focus, as he's corrupted over time, and becomes like less of, of a more fully featured sort of person, he he becomes boiled down to just those specific desires, like the desire to rule or conquer or destroy, you know, vengeance, whatever whatever you want to say. Yeah, plus when he came out, because he was in like a... Uh... Zarkon went into like what was it? He went into like a coma, or he he was he was out of commission though, and <laughs> in like the brief time that he was out, King Alfor decided, well, I'm just gonna have to blow up your planet. So when he comes out of it, he's been exposed to the quintessence, so he's kind of being his you know emotions or whatever are amplified, and he comes out of it and he looks at his planet and it's just like wrecked. And he's like, what what happened? And then well, that. And sure. then that, like yeah. that, right there is what sets in motion the Zarkon of the current timeline. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel bad for him, but yeah, I feel bad for him. Well, I think <laughs> yeah. it's it's a it's a I don't it's a good it's a good way to to characterize him. I think it makes uh, for a really interesting. How do you not you know, care for him arc? though? I mean, I mean, I feel kind of bad that the planet was destroyed, but honestly, I don't see buds, it. I don't, though. That part's bad, but, like, what he does after it to me doesn't seem like a reasonable... Like, if he had just destroyed uh, King Alfor or uh, Altea, like he did, if and that was it, but then he goes on to, like, dominate and rule the rest of the galaxy, that, I don't, you know, that's where I'm like, I don't feel bad for you. That was a stretch in my book. Like, where where's the jump to be like, well... I'm just going to take all of the planets now that mine's essentially gone. And theirs isn't <laughs> fully gone either. Is it? Oh, oh no, yeah. Well, it's not it's not habitable. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, that's right. But that jump to just take all other to dominate the the entire, you know. This is why I was wondering if it was a galaxy or a universe. I th- I think the area that they dominate is a galaxy, but to dominate the whole galaxy it's like all right that's the quint that's that's that quintessence brain at work <laughs> i'm enjoying but, uh, it what did you think about the um what were what were some of your biggest points for like character development that you noticed um throughout the show i mean it was just just even though they're drive like the main plot driven mm-hmm. um, episodes, you know. Oh, okay. So what's going to happen next? How is Voltron going to defeat uh, the Galros and blah blah blah? Those the smaller episodes of you know side missions to other uh, planets and meeting the different uh, other aliens and such. It's just I think those. It just harkens back to the Avatar series where, yeah. okay, okay, you know, you're going on a side quest, but at the same time, we're actually learning the personality, what drives these characters, what makes them tick. And that's kind of what makes makes this series really likable, for me at least, because you're, you're 
you're being uh, introduced to these even though the the main characters but even the side characters as well you're just like yeah okay i like this guy i can yeah. i can deal with it yeah you know i i, I think that that the, the the show does do a good job with with pretty deep characterization so i mean you have you have shiro who was a pow and functionally and and who is not quite sure about some of his past so he has those those issues that haunt him you know he has a strong tendency towards leadership yeah. but he struggles he, he struggles sometimes i think with with that role and what that means yeah uh, you know i mean less less so maybe than than like keith does for example when he's in that position but like you know keith was without his his brother for a, a long period of time he has this mixed race heritage that he's not sure you know he doesn't he's not sure what that means for him like you know when he leaves the team temporarily to to go do missions with the the blade of malmora blade of malmora you know, then then uh you know like everybody is complicated pidge pidge doesn't know if her brother and her father are still alive you know and, and so that that's that's a huge motivating factor and i mean even though maybe you would have guessed earlier on either from i don't know maybe the voice or from some of the characterization but you know pidge being a girl and and uh and the way that that impacts her her role in the team you know that that's at the very least interesting and then you know lance is is kind of he's he's the he's the jokester but he wants to be respected yeah he he wants people to to like him yeah i and uh i think i think throughout the show from what i saw i think he has the most character development or like change oh change change i could change yeah for sure yeah I, I I personally think that Pidge is probably the most. Uh, oh, I don't know, maybe not. But but I I do think Pidge is is a uh, a pretty has a pretty rich arc. Like so, because you're seeing her, you know, not only like be introduced and kind of learn to fit as part of the team, but then to embrace the fact that she's a woman, and then and you know. And then also doing the search for her brother, and then she finds her brother. You know, like th- there's all these different elements on her arc where you're seeing progress. You know, maybe less so the case with with like Lance, for example. You know, I think Lance when he he says, you know what, hey, I'll be the red lion, and you'll be the black lion. When he he sees that you know the the sort of headbutting uh, that he tends to have with Keith. Is is a good example of where he has some significant character development. Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess with like with Pidge's development, it's more like Pidge is intelligent and level-headed. So change from her isn't as surprising as it is with um, with Keith. Sure, with Lance or with Lance. Oh, sorry, with- which I I get them honestly. I get them confused very easily. But uh, the jokester. <laughs> Uh, childish one, that's sure. Yeah, Lance. Lance. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I I don't know why I just got that mixed up. But he like when I see him, like when he made that choice to, you know what, you're the better one. You take can you take over or to keep you know to take over as the black line. It's like that's more impactful than Pidge just growing up basically because they're kids. So you know they're they're going through their like development, but I don't know Pidge. Pidge, like any of them, Pidge, well, actually not any of them, Pidge or Hunk, 
like their developments don't aren't as shocking or as impactful to me as Keith or Lance sure. would be because they're so Keith is just so like vehemently set in his ways and has all of this brooding anger that's holding him back and then Lance is you know well kind of too stupid <laughs> to, <laughs> to realize what he needs you know it takes a while for him to realize oh I need to change I, I need to change up how I'm doing this like uh, I guess that's why I noticed the development in him or when they sure. when they go for those moments to develop his character more than with Pidge and I would say that probably either Shiro or Hunk have the least character development. I mean, maybe maybe Hunk. What, what, what do you think about that, Andrew? Um, probably. I mean, I was thinking more of of the remake from trying to characterize from the previous uh, characters uh, from the old version. Like the biggest, oh, the yeah. biggest change that I saw. The characters are pretty, you know, the lions and all. Yeah, Pidge is a, a female character now. But the biggest change was Princess Allure. Allure in the original was just this, was pretty much a princess. Oh, like was, a damsel in distress. Yeah, exactly. It was just like, please help me. Oh, no. Yeah, but that's the, like a remnant of like, that's like the times are a changing kind of thing. Well, like, they're yeah, just updating I, her for modern. No, but you know. the, her role in this. Uh, when you first int- introduce her, you know she's she actually does have that damsel in distress sort of. She's like, oh, she's uncertain what to do, but then you know she has her maiden Corin, Coran there, you know to, oh, you know I'm supporting you, blah blah blah. But like as you continue on the series, season three and four, she finally like breaks out. She's and be- a boss, yeah. Yeah, she's like. Puts her puts yeah, puts yeah. her place in in the role that she was meant to be. She is a princess. To be fair, though, yeah, in season one that makes sense because like she comes out of this cryo sleep thing after like oh, what right. was the time? What was the time skip there for her? It's like isn't it like it's insane. It's it's like a yeah, thousand years. Like a yeah, thousand, like and the a, last a thing time. that she saw was like basically her planet ending. So she wakes up with one person of her race still alive. All of her family is gone. She was a princess, you know, like. So she doesn't have that independent nature, and so she's just, like, tossed into this world all of a sudden. And it's like, it makes sense for her to come out of that in that sort of damsel in distress mentality for a while, but is then forced to, yeah. In in her case, I think it wasn't that, like, she wasn't necessarily forced to develop, which is, I, I think that's the case with any of Hunk's development, is, like, him overcoming being a coward, kind of. Mm-hmm. And that he had to get over that fairly quickly. He needed food I too. Guess that's true. Yeah. yeah, but with Allure, yeah. it's like she didn't just overcome it. She just like she destroyed it, and and just you know <laughs> becomes this incredible boss by like you said what around like the third, second, and third season. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. she I takes mean, I, it. And, like Allure and and uh, Karan, I, I think are both fun characters. I mean, actually, so. Uh, Koran is is Rhys Darby, who you would you would definitely recognize if you look up a picture of him. He plays, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of kind of goofy characters in a lot of different things. But um, yeah, he uh, specifically like uh, the most recent thing I watched him in was Hunt for the Wilder People, which is a, a Taika YTT film, and it's it's a lot of fun. He was awesome, and he he plays a, a crazy guy in the woods. Also <laughs> in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, was he Meek? No. 
Who does he play in Guardians? He was the uh, the purple rock guy. Uh, no, me. Which... He's not. He is. Yes. No, this is actually. I I'm so glad you brought this up because I I realized this the other day. So, I've been I was watching a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. He's in yep. that. And for the longest time, yes, I had thought because you had told me Holland that the guy who directed that, who plays the rock guy, is re, is the same guy who's Karan. He's not. That's like that's an oh, Indian guy. Yeah, that that's the no. He's not Indian. Wait, he's not. <laughs> no, no, he's he's from New Zealand. <laughs> oh really? Oh well. Oh no, yeah. Oh God, yeah, no. Sure. No, it's. I we'll we'll cut that part out. Oh soon, God, but. they got. Oh no. I'll be branded. No, no, no. Yeah, no. So, so that's that's Taika. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. He's the the director uh, plays plays the rock guy, whatever yeah. his name was. Yeah, they're yep. they have and, fairly and then, similar voices, but so they they they're in the same sort of community because Reese Darby is also from New Zealand, I believe. Uh, I haven't pulled up here. Yeah, he I, is. He's from New I'm Zealand. Not not in Gar- Guardians. I'm sorry, not in Guardians. Um, I'm talking about. Um, Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, because I, mean, I remember, yeah, I remember way, you and me having way. this conversation. Like, oh, that's the guy from. It sounds Voltron. like, him I was like so oh, that's, much though. It that's does, the thing. but I, I promise you, go and watch uh, a series of unfortunate events. Would you hear him in that? You're like, oh no, that's him. That's Koran. Because it is, it is dead on. It is like, li- it is listening to Koran. He, it, it is it's his voice. No, I. And it's not so the guy from Thor move. Ragnarok. Oh well. He he also he also too is a uh, is a main character in Flight of the Concords. Yes. So, yeah. like that that's where where he and I I think that Taika worked on Flight of the Concords. I don't know if he directed all of it, but I I think that he did. I think he was like either the if not the director then the creator of Flight of the Concords. Mm. Uh, what was yeah, his last name? I think so. Yeah, Taika. It's white. Taika YTT. So it's T A I K A W A I T I T. Doesn't have him listed as one of the creators on IMDb, but I don't know. Anyways, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that because I was thinking about that <laughs> I, the second I saw him in um, the second I saw him in series of unfortunate events. I was like, oh, Holland is wrong. That is not the voice yeah. of. But it sounds like a bit. It's really close. It's yeah. so close. But anyway, he probably he he probably be like, yeah, okay, I hear this voice, and this is what I'll do. <laughs> so that's what he did. Well, and and I think maybe that they're both from New Zealand is is a contributing factor. So maybe their slightly kind of goofy voice, uh, for those characters, <laughs> is done with a New Zealand accent. Yeah, possibly. Don't know. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they kind of have like the same pitch and everything, but I I also want to say like uh, when you guys were talking about Cran and like uh, Lance is kind of the comedic, I think Lance is kind of the child comedic because this is a kids show, right? I think yeah. Lance is kind of like the child comedy aspect, and Cran is like the slightly more adult comedy aspect uh, in a I way. Think, like like I think Cran is. All- League's funnier than Lance. Like the no. stuff with Lance and and Hunk is like, all right, that's yeah. I was you know. gonna, I was gonna say Lance and Hunk would be be the one because for the the child. Yeah, that's uh, like the that's like the comedy they throw in there for kids. Yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 
I don't know. I think Coran is like zany. Yeah. You know, and and when I think of humor for children, I think zany is definitely in that realm. I mean, we we got to admit, you know, here we're we're three adult men reviewing a show that is <laughs> a kids show. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it has. You know, and and that's not. There's nothing wrong no. with that. I mean, there's a lot of good character development. There's a lot of good, interesting things to watch. But I mean, fundamentally, we're watching a, a <laughs> show that's intended for a much younger demographic. Well, yeah, I, no, so that I, is true. I don't think I considered Avatar: The Last Airbender to be one of one of my top three TV shows of all time. So <laughs> this, no Avatar. Voltron. You're gonna put Voltron up in one of your top three? No, I said Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, oh okay, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I, we, we we probably had you cut out a yeah, little bit there again. I, I, man, I don't know about that. It's up there, but, like, top three? Oh, yeah. That's hands tough. Down. That's a tough hands, spot. Hands down, one of the finest uh, television programs of this generation. Okay, now let me ask you this. Oh, if, uh, if Avatar, if, if Avatar yeah. not the blue people, Joel... <laughs> if, if I don't know, Avatar, the James Cameron film, is in my top three, you son. <laughs> Joel's like, it's not even a TV show, you idiots. <laughs> no, I. Let me ask you this: if if Avatar: The Last Airbender had been like a Crunchyroll anime series and not a cartoon, would you have still put it up in such high regard? Because for me, part of the thing that makes Avatar so good is that. It is a cartoon. is It is a Nickelodeon cartoon for kids, and yet it is so good, like that. That just the level of like amazement that they managed to do the to do that with a Nickelodeon cartoon is part mm. of why I like Avatar so much. You do bring up well, a good I, point. I, if it, I think it's sort of like Americanized anime in a sense. It, yeah, I mean it, it is. It's, I I don't know that it was produced in the. U.S. like the actual animation no, production, all, just all like of it was uh, based in South Korea. Was, right, yeah, but they're not South showing Korean. One Piece on Nickelodeon, right? Yeah, sure. But I mean, we have we have American creators. Yeah. I mean, I think that some of the humor is is definitely a little bit more, uh, if not American specifically, than more Western. Like you know, something that you would expect out of either an American or the American or European continent. Yeah. Uh, so like you know, I'm thinking Canadian or. United States or versus you know maybe something else that came out of North America. That, that's France true. Because I and I don't really see much of that like um, Eastern anime humor, I guess, in it either. Where like like I, I'm I'm thinking of like, have you guys seen Moggy at all? Mm, no. Or like no. like uh, just the generic like uh, like in Moggy, the main character Aladdin uh, is like this oh, little no. kid hey, hey. that is obsessed with like breasts and stuff like that he's like always hugging no. you know women just like nestling in their breasts like that kind of humor is not well, in this sure. at so all fan service hum- well it's yeah because it's a different demographic i think that when anime is produced in japan they know that it's going to be a lot of adults or at the very least like in that case teen boys who are like you know boobs are my number one priority yeah <laughs> you know the sort of sort of sort of kids watching the the tv shows you know, I think in this case, on Nickelodeon, both because of American, uh, I, I don't know about censorship, but just like specifically the, the uh, I don't know, like the good taste lull or whatever you would, like the way that, that, that networks try to cater towards certain audiences. Like I just don't think that super fan servicey content is 
part of their mission statement. No, um, no, it's not. But but also, Sandal, I wanted to say it's it's Magi. It's not Maggie. It's Magi. Maggie? That's that's it's Magi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. M A G I. Right, but I think the right? actual pronu- like the pronunciation of that show is Maggie. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe in in the uh, in the anime, but I would th- I would think that it's it's because it's it's a uh, no I know that the I know that the actual pronunciation is magi. Your proper nomenclature is not correct. Hey, hey uh, by the oh, way, that you're uh, saying it like a fucking idiot. By the way, there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is. <laughs> I do mess I mean, that maybe one up. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't have a lot of opportunities no, no, no. in my life to bring up Magi, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It is. No, you are right because then. Um, oh gosh, good, what is, is it? Is there a good spinoff? Uh, no, 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 no. Oh yeah, there is, and it's really good too. But um, I'm thinking yeah. of um, the Mummy, the Mummy movies. It is. Oh, sure. It is. It is Magi. Oh, well, you are right. Oh, I don't know. I could. I could be wrong though, because that could be Medjai, which Medjai. Is, is like it's like M E D J I something like that. Yeah, that's uh, yeah M E D J A Y. So that that would be you know I could be well, wrong. It could it, it could be it could be that. But I there's I can't think of a, spe- a specific instance. But I know when I was watching that show, there were certain things. Magi when I well Magi or Magi when I was watching that show, there were certain words they said in that show where they <laughs> pronounced them very different. They pronounced them more like the spelling would in, imply rather than how it's actually pon- pronounced. So that's why I was like, oh, that's why it's Magi and not Magi. So, so like, if it is Magi, so the, the, that's a plural of uh, Magus, M-A-G-U-S, which I think is pronounced with a hard G. Yeah. So, And I it is, know. I think the whole I, point of that show is it's know. like the world of magic. So Yeah, of magicians, yeah. Well, I think yep. it's... Oh, what is it? No, that's I'm, what, what a, I'm going nowhere with um, this one. I'm, I'm... A magus would be. <laughs> now, it looks like the definition of a magus is it says a member of a priestly caste of ancient Persia. But specifically, when I think of it, I think of sorcerers. So, No, I think of like Persian or like Egyptian stylized stuff with that. Which is what the well, setting of also, that show is, but yeah. Also, um, MAGI is modified adjusted gross income, which is a very important economic. That's principle. what the show is actually about at its core. <laughs> yeah, it's it's used to determine whether a private individual qualifies for certain tax deductions. <laughs> Specifically, it's used to determine how much an individual's IRA contribution is deductible and whether an individual is eligible for premium tax credits. Ooh. Aren't taxes Premium. aren't taxes due by like Sunday or something? I might are done, but no, t- Tuesday. Yeah, right. yeah. All right. Well, off of Ultron now. For all you listeners who haven't done your taxes, let's get that cracked <laughs> out. <laughs> well, and and not only that, we're we're now a uh, investment podcast. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's <gasps> quit with the pop culture oh. and get down to brass tacks. Oh my gosh, I could I could say something about that. That makes me think of you. Okay. I have to at least say something. All this stuff was the Zuckerberg trials. <laughs> like, what do you think? Like, I was just thinking like the stock in Facebook after I, oh, man, if he wasn't a billionaire, I would feel so bad for that man. Every time they make him go on TV, he just, he has horrible social anxiety. <laughs> 
the the memes. He is the, so weird. The memes on those are just what, phenomenal. Memes. The memes. Okay, let's let's stop for another second and have another pronunciation conversation. It's it's a hundred percent memes. The memes. Like, no, they're the no, pronounced the memes. We'll, we'll, I'm gonna the, stick with the memes. Yeah, I really like those. Uh, do you guys see those Zuckerberg memes? <laughs> oh no, that that all is fantastic. Oh, they're they're it really is, good. It is, yeah. yeah. No, every, you say you say meme with a long e sound. It rhymes with memes. team or beam. So the memes, it, it, the memes. I'm, it doesn't. It doesn't pronounce. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, it's not. It's it's not mem like babe. It's like it's like in Holland's world. It's spelled m e a m e, meme. No, those. It's it's m m a m e like the emulator. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, oh, back my. to Voltron. Um, it's a, it's an all around good show, and the one thing I really like about it. I don't know why, but Andrea Romero, she's the voice director of the of of this show of oh of the series you're of saying the series of Avatar and even um, she's she's been in the business for I don't know how long I think since Hanna Barbera I believe I don't know I oh wow okay uh, but yeah. she's also she's she's actually the one that I I really um, the Batman the animated series she directed that the voice which direction. one. Batman the oh the first yeah. one Batman the animated oh series. really well maybe oh, not okay. first but like the the one that came out in the nineties yeah uh, Bruce so, Tim Alan yeah. Burnett and Baldini okay um, yeah she she's phenomenal on and I think why I I car- seek her out if she's done any cartoons and such she really knows I don't know if she does any of the voice casting but she really knows how to direct the voices and and get the 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 correct you know tonal inflection the expressions from these actors and and really show it on the on the screen i mean it's really really well done it's i don't know yeah i i, yeah. I agree i think it's it's uh it's, the, the voice acting on the whole is good and I, I i think that other than my my personal like fandom related issue with with lance not as a voice actor but just being like a fan of oh yeah adventure, yeah, time, adventure time kind yeah. of trying to break break that connection which is so strong i think everybody else fits their roles you know really really well oh, yeah i think hunk is great uh allura is is uh i don't i don't she's definitely like uh i think she's putting on an accent but but it's so like seamless in and of is, itself is, i think kimberly brooks i think is a is a, a uk actress so i think Oh okay, okay. So she, all right. I, well, then, then yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna that that uh, her accent just seems flawless. What? Oh, okay. what I think you say yeah. Your your normal uh, accent sounds like you're trying to be <laughs> British. <laughs> you're like I am British. Huh. <laughs> I am. <British. laughs> yeah. No, yeah. No, it's I, just I don't. I mean, this is kind of a, a little nerd thing with me though. But she, anything that she's done, she has really. It's just impressive work that she's that she puts puts together and and makes you know these characters come to life and and the voices that she directs is just var none sets the standard i mean it's just it's just great work it just is i guess i i mean i would agree with that like that 
there's there's so many things in anime like uh, when we talk about it that like like you guys pay attention to that I just don't I just gloss over. So I guess mm-hmm. in that in that regard, like unless there's something that unless it takes me unless it's so bad that it takes me out of it, I'm not going to notice it. So it's one of those things where like if no, you're that, doing your job right and you're doing it well, no, that's I'm not going to notice it. Yeah, yeah. and it, and you're right. Like I I don't like I when they're natural. talking, it's and it flawless. Ma- it, yeah, there, it, it is. It just yeah. suddenly goes in. I mean, there's nothing. It just fits the characters. Like yeah, he would he would do a noise like that or or say something like uh, how he would say it as that character. As other shows, you're like. Well, wait, why did he do that in that voice inflection? Why did he do this? You know, it just doesn't, it didn't fit. But with these, with her directions in, you know, in Batman, Avatar, and then Voltron, and, and there, she's been in others, but it just, it's natural. It just fits in and you, and you accept it. There's no, you, there's, there's no forcing it into it. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it works. It, well, it's it's the whole idea of seeing a character as a character and not a person exactly. behind the screen. Yeah. yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Like, uh, what's what's her name? Uh, Murder she wrote. <laughs> that plays the tea, the oh. teacup. Uh, Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Angela Lansbury in uh, the Beauty and the Beats. I believe she she was a teacup. <laughs> it was that good. I, I mean, believe she, this she, is she... a person being a teacup. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. This is what a person who got trapped in a teacup would sound like. Or the guy. Yeah, you're you're like you know I I have uh, I have a real serious issue with uh, improper teacup yeah. representation on the screen. They're picking people to voice teacups who do not sound like teacups. This is this is one of my pet peeves. My grandma was a teacup for six months and she didn't sound like that at all. <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I say that because, you know, if you guys watch the remake, the live action, Disney, Beauty and the Beaks, and then oh, the, sure, 90, yeah. the 90s animation, there's no comparison. You L- Lumiere the french candlestick the animation was bar none 10 times better than the the live action i i don't care if well i if you want to argue with me but well i the law and order guy I, jeffrey no, I, I don't, was bar I, I, none I think the best that, i think that that a really important thing to distinguish between the two and the reason that that some things just work as animated features whereas they do not in live action or not as well is because we we don't we when we suspend belief disbelief in an animated series, it's all within the context of everything being animated. Yeah. But when we suspend disbelief in a live action film, we have to understand that Emma Watson as Belle is talking to a green tennis ball that is later on, you know, filled out <laughs> no. as as a, a talking candle. I, I, I would we, I would love it if that were like if there was a shot of like it's just a table with a green tennis ball on it and that's Lumiere. <laughs> just a shot of her talking to that. There's some dude I, no. with a a green pole that's just like poking it to move it into different locations. I I get what you're saying, but that's not what I was uh, trying to convey. It's it's the voice that it just didn't fit. Uh, like the are you saying the voice in the live action? Yeah, the voice um, in the live action did not make me believe he he was that suave you know French. Uh, character, it, it didn't. Uh, no, I I understand what yeah. you mean. Where, whereas, where a voice does not match the character, I I think actually it's a good distinction between say uh, Pixar films and 
uh, at least some DreamWorks films. A lot of the newer stuff from DreamWorks does a better job, but yeah. Th- but where where you've got the celebrity A list cast as opposed to where in Pixar, sometimes you're like, I'm not. I oh, I recognize this character. You're like I, I think about the Incredibles. So, like Samuel L. Uh, Jackson. The voice of, in that. Well, no, Samuel no. Jackson is pretty iconic, yeah, I yeah. suppose. But but Brad Bird really but wanted like, him um, to be Frozone, so. Yeah, so so Craig T. Nelson, who plays the the voice of of Bob, for example, yeah. is is like you know we know him from from Coach, or uh, he was on a newer show more recently called Parenthood. You know, like like maybe you recognize him from from TV roles, but he's not like an an A list actor. Yeah, you know, it, you you have to look look him up to remember who he is. That's, that's one even, of those voices where even, like you hear it and you recognize it, but you don't recognize it. You don't know where. Whereas, no, like, with, with Samuel L., it's like, oh, that's Samuel L. Jackson. You're not right. going to... It'd be like... But, like you said, that's an iconic voice. It's like that's, Morgan that's Freeman. That's what I... I applaud Pixar for doing that. They pick they pick an actor or actress to fit the character. Uh, Violet, for example, she's not a big name. She's an NPR podcast, I believe. And so I'm like... And it fit the character well, you know? That's I, I, yeah, I give them props for that. Well done, Pixar. Thank you. So that's why. I mean, and yeah, DreamWorks does does good job, and some content. Like I, I actually think that like uh, How to Train Your Dragon, I think is the the best DreamWorks film. Okay. Ooh. And and Ooh. I think that the the way that they use the voices in in that that film was was pretty good. You know, because like all of the different characters. Yeah, sure, maybe some of them are kind of goofy, but like uh, using uh, Jay, is it Baruchel? Baruchel. His last for the main mm-hmm. character. I'm not sure. Yeah. So like he's got a really strange, like he's very a, signature voice. Yeah, he does. And and I think it was just like a I thought it was a really good fit for that movie, honestly. Like I, I think that, that his characterization was, was really good. See, I thought the character design of um what is the main character in that movie's name that that Jay uh, Burchell plays? Oh, I don't. I'm spacing it, it out. Yeah. I'm thinking toothless, but that's, no, that's the, the dragon. dragon. Uh, it, it's some like very milk toast um, kind of. That's the best DreamWorks. What about name? Shark's Tale? Let's let's see. Uh, Hiccup. Hiccup. Yes. Hiccup is what it is. So, because I can put the face of that uh, the voice actor so well with that voice, you know, like yeah, I love the character design of Hiccup could have maybe matched that a little bit better. Like, the the voice that was coming out of that character, to me, didn't... It, it kind of lined up, but I, it kind of drew me out a little bit. Like, I thought it it, it could have been a little more... I don't know. It, it could have been a I little mean, more nerdy was, or... I thought it was okay. I mean, he's, he's a very... Okay. He's thin, he's thin kind of gangly. Yeah. And he's, he's a little bit awkward. And, and I gotta yeah, give so. him a little bit of credit, too, because, like, the rest of the characters are designed in a similar... Not gangly or anything like that, but, like, the rest of the characters are designed with a similar level of detail to him. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, or, or think think about that. I mean, sure, like, some characters, like... Um, so Jonah Hill plays Snoutlout, who's the, the kind of heavier set character. So, like, I mean, sure, that they're kind of sticking that theme. Yeah, but I think but like I think Jonah Hill was kind of putting on a little bit of a voice for that one, wasn't he? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, maybe, like, I don't know. Not doing just not just like sitting here like we are like just talking with your I regular feel bad. voice. I feel bad for him because he was typecast because, even for an animated character. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the big dumb one. Yeah. 
You know, like I think a good example of one, a character who was definitely putting on a voice was uh, Kristen Wig or Wig. I think is maybe correct. No, I, I think it's I think this it's Wig. Is, this is the pronunciation I, podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like Joel Joel doesn't know how to pronounce people's last names. The podcast. I, I let's change our name to that. Joel doesn't. I, I think that's a good. <laughs> two guys correct Joel in his pronunci- pronunciation of things. It it, it is Wig. It's Kristen Wig. <laughs> okay, so. As she plays, uh, the, like she and T.J. Miller, uh, who, let me just say, as a slight side note, seems like a colossal douchebag. Because <laughs> did you hear about him calling it a bomb threat? <laughs> T.J. Miller. Yeah, T.J. Miller. Yeah. No. Yeah, I look. I'm honestly, I, mean, I have no, to no recognize to be honest him. With you, I have to. Oh, him. Oh yeah. no, that hurts my heart. I don't want him to be a douchebag. But I could see it. <laughs> I could see. I I always forget like what his name is, but he's in so many of like so many things that I or so many movies and stuff that I like. Like he was in a, he was Iraq, and we talked about that in the last. Yeah, podcast. that's like, right. Yeah, oh, that hurts my heart. I don't want him to be a douchebag, but when you look at his face, you're like, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could I yeah, could get behind but, that. Uh, <laughs> I guess the 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 the, the uh, positive upswing on this is just that uh, he, he and Kristen Wiig uh, or Wig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, they actually are putting on voices a little bit because, like, the it's funny because like the main cast of side characters are all kind of comedians. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I guess they must have done that on purpose. Because, like, well, I mean, uh, Jay uh, Baruchel or whatever Baruchel? is uh, or actually. Oh no, no, no. okay, it, yeah. You know, he's he's a comedic actor. You know, Craig Ferguson who plays Gobber is a comedic actor. America Ferrera, I think, even would you consider her a comedic actress yep. because she she is uh, the she's the main she's the star of uh, Jane the Virgin. But isn't no, but no, no, isn't no, no, Craig no, no. Ferguson? Uh, uh, isn't he Scottish? So he really didn't. Craig, yes. yeah, Craig Ferguson is, yeah. <laughs> so well, yeah, but he, I mean, he he <gasps> he did make it a little, a little bit goofy um, for sure. And then uh, I I pulled up the IMDb page because I was I, a lot of actors and actresses I lose the face really quickly with the name, but. Gerard Butler was the dad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. See, that's... Okay, his voice, that's another iconic voice to me. And he hasn't even been, like... Is, is he an A-list actor, though? He's not. He's not. That's the thing, though. He's not an A-list actor, but his voice Gerard is Butler? so... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I to think me, he's like, pretty A-list. I think... He's I not think A-list. He's there. Yes, he is. He's, at per, he's perhaps at, perhaps he's a fading star, but he's definitely after, like he's yeah, after, he's definitely after he was sure. in uh, Spark three hundred. Three hundred. Yeah, three hundred. He became an A-list actor. All right. What? Well, I think, after three hundred, you know, I get out of town. <laughs> Joel is like the biggest Gerard. He's like I know all of the Gerard Butler movies. He was the best before that. Uh, correction. No, I think. I think, I think what you said Gerard is like a fading Butler A-list star. Best. <laughs> yeah, he is a fading A-list star. I'll agree with that. That's kind of true for a lot of like uh, stereotypical or like typecast action stars, though. I Man. think. Man, I feel like bad. The for these The guys. Rock is just fading very slowly, but he will fade. Oh, The Rock is not <laughs> fading. The Rock's oh, are you the Rock's me? star is ascendant. <laughs> the Rock. No, he'll by twenty twenty every film will feature The Rock. Like it, it's impossible to deny him. 
See, the more like the higher your celebrity status goes, the harder it's gonna be when that like one out like sexual harassment allegation comes out, and I could, I, I could absolutely see it happening to him. No. Oh, that's not nice. No. That's not nice. No, 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 no. I'm saying I could see an allegation happening to him, and people He's back to, to have the you rock? met him? He's so nice. He's such a nice guy. I mean, that's what I he's said last time. He's too podcast. nice, though. I mean, he's like, he, it's like uh, he's putting on, he's putting on, it's like an act nice. He's created a rock persona that he's living his life by. I don't think okay. that's the real what? him. I really I, don't. I think I'm gonna um, be, no, I'm gonna it's the same for Jennifer Lawrence. I'm it's the same for Jennifer this. Lawrence. No. We, we uh, Andrew and I are, 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 are downvoting <laughs> this particular proposition we we even though we have rock fatigue yeah we rock, also we all have the, rock the fatigue. rock the rock is a solid guy no pun intended <laughs> man i don't know i i'm behind him being a nice guy but when i see him do stuff and all the instagram motivational stuff it's like i think it's i think it's a little much i think there's a chance that this is just he's very geniusly sure. crafted well, a persona I think it's like no, he has he has crafted a persona, but that doesn't mean he, it, like it's not like I I put on a mask, but underneath the mask I'm awful. Oh, I'm not saying it's he's like, awful put, underneath it, but I put on the mask and I'm a pretty nice he, guy underneath he, it too. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He already has created a persona for him. It's called The Rock. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, he's Dwayne Johnson, sure, but and then The Rock yeah, is his the, like, like character. I don't know. There's. I think I think there's a someone is on the hate train tonight. I'm not on the hate Woo-woo. train. I'm just saying I think he's, you know, I don't think he's I don't think he's all we he's been puffed up to be. I think there's something mm. deeper hiding there, man. Mm. Putting it out That's, there. Uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, 10 years from now we'll, we'll have <laughs> to look back on this podcast. <laughs> You know, and and uh, we'll all we'll all uh, shed a tear for Dwayne Johnson, but um, I I think he's he's probably actually a good guy. Yeah, we'll see. Have you seen? His I'm interviews? I'm holding my. All it's gonna take is one unpaid parking ticket, and I'm gonna be like, I I got you, you, you lovable bastard. <laughs> hey, did did you hear that uh, Jumanji became Sony's highest grossing film ever? Surpassing Spider-Man, or one of the Spider-Man. It just tells you how bad all of their other movies have oh, been. That is no, I actually did hear that that movie was really fun and good. Yeah, I watched you, the uh, this. I, I watched the honest trailers for it, and at the they're end, like the, it was pretty positive. I was like, oh, maybe the movie's actually pretty good. A sequel is inbound. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I was also um, uh, earlier. I was trying to remember what what show that. Uh, America Ferrera is in, and she's an ugly Betty, which I, I hope I don't come across as a, a little bit racist there, because I confused Ugly Betty uh, with Jane the Virgin, uh, not not because the shows are that similar, but just because they are both led by Latina actresses. <laughs> That's okay. I thought that guy was that one guy was Indian, so Holland's the only one who hasn't fucked up so far. So <laughs> just just careful, Holland. Well, <laughs> Actually, so Jane, Jane the Virgin, I, I have heard is is a pretty good show. But mm-hmm. uh, the the lead actress is her name is Gina Rodriguez, and uh, we actually have seen her. She plays uh, the the character, one of the characters in Annihilation. So she's one of the five that goes into the the Shimmer. 
Oh, she yeah, the she the brainy science one? No, 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 that's not her. Um, no, no, she she's the one who's uh who gets paranoid oh, and gets eaten by the the, yes, the bear. Duh. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about her character? Yeah, her face got ripped off. Yeah, so so I think it's because that one the the brain the the actress that plays the really brainy chick who just like all of a sudden decides oh, she wants yeah, to be part of nature everywhere. or something like oh yeah no that's she right. is yeah, she's, she, like, she is just popping up everywhere though she was in thor ragnarok um oh god i said everywhere and then that's gonna be my only <laughs> reference <laughs> she's but like i i can't think of the specifics but i know i keep just seeing her in random she, roles she was in, in all a, sorts of movies she was she recently starred in a, a portlandia uh did she? Two. Yeah, that that wouldn't be where uh, I saw her from, but yeah. I, yeah, her name is Tessa Tessa Thompson. Okay, yep. and she's in uh, Creed, Thor, Ragnarok, Rock, uh, Dear White People, Annihilation. Dear White um, People's where I be... saw her then. Okay, that was good. But that would have been yeah. She is. She's in that. And then what else? Uh, I, I mean, it looks like she's uh, going to be in a new Men of Men in Blacks Men of Black. Men of. Oh <laughs> <laughs> All right, and now mine's been nullified. Keep going, Joel. She's going to be in a new film called Black Men. <laughs> Wait, they're making a new Men of Black. Oh my God! It's it says untitled Men in Black. Men in Black. And then she's in, in Creed Two. Looks like they're filming. Are they? Uh, hold on. Are they doing a minute? Are they doing like like how they did the Ghostbusters spinoff with an all female cast? Are they doing a Men in Black spinoff with an all female cast? No, I I, I don't know. I don't that's know what it. That's what it potentially sounds like. I mean, who cares? I mean, they did I, Ghostbusters, the, the, and the that ghost, was pretty fun. The Ghostbusters movie sucked just because. It, it didn't suck because it was four women in the lead. No, I, I, I didn't think see it. I heard it was. All. I didn't. I didn't go watch. It. I heard it was really bad. But it's like, oh, what? It is bad. I watched it and it's awful. And it's not because it 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 was for women, and you know, for all the hate that um, what's her name, uh, Leslie, uh, Leslie Jones. So a lot of people. There was a lot of like awful, like especially like really racist content getting thrown around. Uh-huh. Uh, about about her being in that film, and I honestly liked her the best. Like as as part of the group, part of the issue is that that like when when they did Paul Feig, who's the director, um, who actually you would probably recognize. Like if you look him up, Paul Feig is actually a, he's been an actor um, in in the past as as well. So like he's uh, he's uh, one of the main characters in uh, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh really? Uh, yeah, but uh, in, in any case, like he he's the director, and he just like I've seen interviews with him about about the film, and and it's like he just thought it was really cool to be with these people, and and uh, he just let them improv. So it was like oh, okay. they would sit down and they give you a general idea of what the what it was going to be like, and then you would have two hours of filming improv of them talking to each other, and then they would like take whichever take they thought, and and I I just honestly think that in comedy it doesn't work that easily. I think you really, honestly, legitimately have to write jokes with some structure to them. Yeah. You know, because like when you're watching improv, you're like, oh, you know, I'm enjoying the improv experience, you know, of people maybe who have good chemistry playing off of each other. But when you're doing a long form film, I think you have to structure the jokes. You need to, yeah, you you need to give them some. You can't improv. Yeah, you need to give them like, like, 
a solid amount of like base material to go off of. Like, yeah. like for example, the one of the writers I know in Parks and Recreation, uh, like just jokes about how he hates Chris Pratt because uh, he like has this perfect joke. There's a scene where he says, "Leslie, I t- I typed uh, your symptoms into the computer and it says uh, no internet connection, like the, or like that you may have network connection." issues or something like that and and it's just so funny because that that's actually improv too you know like like you can have good improv in films and television series but it doesn't you can't like improv your way to a perfect movie no, uh-uh. whereas you know that, you, you could maybe improv your way to a good scene in a that's movie. one of those yeah I think that's, no that's i get I, mean. I hear what you're saying it's, it's like um you need to have a cast that's you want to have a cast that's capable of it and you want to have a director that's cap or uh director that's uh able to catch when it's good and it should be kept yeah Yeah. oh for sure yeah 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 but you don't want to just sit there and be like i'm relying on your uh your improv to make this movie because it's gonna (laughs) yeah like you said it's gonna it's not gonna be good and i wasn't saying that the men in black an all-women version of men in black wouldn't be good because men in blacks i love men in black but um I don't know. It's just like, is it is it because the movie needs to be made, or is it because we're like, in a in a not so subtle way, shoving like a political agenda down our throat? We've hit the singularity I, I, I mean, of IP movies. We need something new. We've hit the singularity. Are we? Ma- yeah. Like, are we? Ma- if there are we making a a, <laughs> a a female team set in Men in Black because it's going to be good? Or are we doing it because we want to make a movie to like shove that i don't know that that well, that's no, the okay, thing that so that's the I, thing where i'm like uh what's what's it gonna I, you know, be like? i don't think it's it's i mean sure i maybe there there is like for example around the all-female Gus, ghostbusters cast there was that that was done intentionally mm-hmm. and i think probably also as a statement piece and yeah when it was ineffective and people criticized it it ended up being in i mean to a degree like absolutely it was it was just a, a an issue of sexism but but like there there's definitely it, it's not the best comedy it's not top of the barrel stuff and so it became less of a criticism of the the way that the film was structured comedically which i think deserves criticism and more of an issue of oh women aren't funny and so that's why the movie was bad because I, I think I don't think that's true. No, I don't it's think not. That, that you know. So well, I, like, I think that it was more, more of an issue of of the way that it was shot and the way that they chose to to address the script and even the story. I mean, it's like they they had a weird decision with Ghostbusters where they're like, do we want to rehash the get getting the team together team from or get, excuse me getting the team together story from the first film? So is this a remake? Or do we want to have our own like reboot, like passing of the torch from the old team to the new team? And they sort of chose like a weird, like not remake exactly, mm-hmm. but yeah. sort of a remake. Like it just it, it didn't work that well. And in in like if we said like here's an all female Men in Black movie, okay, like if we have two female agents as the leads, yeah. I, I think that's fine. Well, see, but that like, even makes like kind of going like more specific like that makes sense though because like in one in the end of one of those movies um he doesn't have k as a part will smith doesn't have his new partner is a fem- is a woman so yeah, yeah like that yeah. makes sense but like for ghostbusters to all of a sudden just have it changed to like all female was it was it was very in your face with it 
Uh, sure. Well, no, I, that's what I'm saying. It became some of some of that, yeah. but that was because there was all this like complicated, like political and 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 like I, I I mean, there's a degree there's a degree of outrage culture there. Sure, I understand that, but but what I'm saying is that movie was not bad because it was for women. No. That movie was bad because it was, a it bad was movie, structured yeah. poorly. You know, and and so I, I what I'm saying my, my main point in that is that. It was a bad movie because it was a bad movie destined in some ways to be a bad movie. And I think that, that uh, having, choosing women as the leads does not inherently set something up at, with the potential. Even if it's done with like the idea like, hey, we should make a movie where we have two female MIB agents. And, we don't, and again, we don't even know if that's exactly the case, but... Like if that is the case, yeah. Then you literally just th- said that this one actress is gonna be in a Men in Black spinoff, and we're like, it's gonna be all female. Or I did. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah. what they're doing. No, I I agree with what you're saying. Like the thing that the thing that kind of bothers me is that, like when the movie so. is bad. Just, just saying that I didn't. I didn't say. Yeah, Holland's still safe right now. We're like. <laughs> Just yeah, with this this I'm the, the accidental racist. Sandal is the accidental sexist, <laughs> and uh, Holland is is like the paragon of virtue here. The thing, yeah, I will say this: the thing that I don't like when they do those movies is you are, and it, in a in a way, it's a it is a brave move because what sucks is like if you make this movie and it's and you've you know specifically gone out of your way to do an all female cast, and the mo- and then the movie is just itself not good. Then you, I don't know. It, it's like, it's oh, like no, your, fa- it's that's like your, your fa- yeah. It, it's it is. You're you're it, taking a lot of because on your then shoulders people then people have flat. a knee jerk reaction. Yeah, they have a knee jerk reaction to films that have all female cast. It's like you saying like, and like what you were experiencing. Like your your gut reaction is, oh man, they're doing this again. Yeah, and and you shouldn't have to feel that way because there's no reason that a a strongly female led cast can't be something good. We're just not used to seeing it in like the broader pop culture because yeah. there are plenty of like female centric character stories that get told. Oh yeah, and, you know, and and, and so those are you know often very powerful. Hundred percent. I mean, but what's the best Justice League or DC universe movie that they've made? Wonder Woman, hands down. Oh, for sure. Like not yeah, even absolutely. close. So I think it's just yeah I I think that we do a disservice to women in general it, making bad movies and then saying, you know, like, we made this, we specifically made this to be a showcase of what women can do. Yeah, and that's what, when, that's and what then, worries me. It's like, if you fall flat, it's going to be bad. Or I, it's going to be I, with I those, the case where people are like, pretend like it was just fantastic because it was all women, or then when people don't like, they're like, well, it's because it was all women. That's the only reason that you don't like it. It's like, no, the movie was just very bad. <laughs> it's just like, it was just a bad movie. And you, you run into that stuff. And it's like, oh, can we just do, can we just do a cast that, you know, that makes sense for the setting of the movie and, and that be that? Sure. I yeah. like that. I like, mean, st- Black I'd Panther like kind of to... ran into this, a similar thing. But when you think about the setting for that movie, it makes sense. Because it's based in a country in Africa where people have just never been. It makes sense that most of the cast would be black in a movie. Like, you know. That I Yeah, and yeah. And, and I love I love that sort of representation. Yeah. I think I think it's it's really interesting seeing characters from from different different backgrounds and uh, especially like you know, in Black Panther's case, an all black cast, 
I mean that that was like I mean except for Martin Freeman. Well, there's you know, no the, the Martin Freeman and uh, the and uh, oh man, I always lose his oh, name. Oh, crawl. Yeah. yeah. Or claw, rather not crawl. Yeah, <laughs> claw, like, crawl. My my thing is like I want to see a cast. Is is Ulysses crawl? Yeah. His his power is mouth based. Oh gosh, I I all I want to see in a movie, all I'm saying is I want to see a cast that makes that fits the setting of the movie. Black Panther, yes, it was it was a major vastly majority black cast, but that makes sense in that movie. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, see, sure. it doesn't detract from the anything. New, the new Infinity Wars. See, we're missing a very, very important character, and his name is is Hawkeye, and I don't see him on any of the posters. So, what's going on there? <laughs> what sort of segue? We've is just that? been going off in, a, in this tangent. Holland's like staying in the safe zone. Like, uh, I'm not going to get involved in this conversation. He's like, all right, Do guys, we I really... gotta be quiet. Oh, man, you know, to preserve my image. I, that is that is interesting though, because as pathetic I, I really of a think... character as like as no, Hawkeye no, no. in the comics is, I, I actually a... really love the Hawkeye in the event think... in the MCU. He's really he's great. Be, I think he's going to be one of the most pivotal characters in this movie. He's I, great. He's, he's not going to be in this movie. No, he's got to be. He's got to be in the movie. They're just not showing him what. Maybe a cameo. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, why would no, he not I, I actually, be in it? I, yeah, what? I like the Hawkeye comics better than Hawkeye in the film because, like, in the Hawkeye comics, you get to see him doing more, like, things that make sense with a bow and arrow. Like, literally, I, I saw this on Reddit. Somebody posted, it was like, St- Tony Stark makes Peter Parker. Like, literally, he could be in a bathing suit and still be an effective superhero. <laughs> a, a like, multi-million dollar robotic techno Spider-Man suit. Oh, yeah. Whereas, whereas Hawkeye, like, a dude who literally might get hit by a car and die uh, <laughs> yes. is is uh is the one who is in like span not even spandex like he's he's in like uh, like a, a a purple a purple like jumpsuit like a tank top like and he's the one who doesn't get get some sort right. of augmentation i mean spider-man was running around in like a hoodie and some basketball shorts catching cars and and tony stark was like yeah i could make a suit for that yeah. Hawkeye gets shit. He gets a better, whole, he gets a better uh, quiver for his bows. He gets a smart quiver. That's what he yeah. got. Oh I, man! I mean, it works when you think of Hawkeye as like a like if he's a like he's a Navy SEAL sort of guy. You know, like not a SEAL. That's a bad example, but uh, like like he if he's like paramilitary. Like that's what I mean. Oh yeah. You know, then 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 paramilitary, but with a focus on bows instead of guns. <laughs> you know, then 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 that kind of makes sense there. But but he is just as ridiculous as Black Widow is in the context of like, especially the first Avengers. You know, like like I mean, sure, he's a great archer. He but, like, actually but, showed. But, yeah, but Black Widow. No, I'd say Black Widow makes more sense. She's got the infiltration skills and like all of that. Well, she's like a spy, but does that like okay? I'm thinking specifically like the Battle for New York. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, like Hawk, Hawkeye oh. and and Black Widow are a little out of place yeah. fighting a like a, a swarm of, of destructive robots. At, at this point, I they're mean, just have... people that act well under pressure and have good aim. That's <laughs> that's essentially what you brought that's to the table. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that if it's applied well, but like in these big, like huge battle scenes, it just it, it seems a little off. I mean, like even characters like Falcon, God bless oh. him, you know, I, they, they're just like, they're not. A, they, 
like in in the trailer when I watched uh, the first trailer for Infinity War, I was like, oh, poor Falcon. He's like <laughs> just like shooting some guys with a pair of Uzis. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like like his his powers are just not that interesting. Um, he doesn't. Yeah, I no. Mean, his his gimmick out of all you know. three of those, like uh, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and um, Falcon, he's the worst. Oh, he's the one I I, I no. It, 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 if we set the power thing aside with them, just <laughs> the character of Falcon is my least favorite of all of them. No, I, I we've talked about this before off air, but I, I actually think I think Anthony Mackie has really good chemistry with Chris Evans. I think that there there's a good it's really healthy for the character of Captain America to have a character to balance off of, and I think that they work really well together. Uh, you know, from uh, just strictly from a power standpoint, yeah, it's a little ridiculous. I mean, Black Widow is maybe like more central to the team, and they've given her the opportunity for more character development. Yeah. But honestly, like uh, from a from even just a power standpoint, in in a large scale open field battle, she makes the least sense. Yeah. Like even less so than Hawkeye, even less so than Falcon, because Falcon can fly. I mean, I thought it was ridiculous that he was like, like had a pair of Uzis and like that was like his, <laughs> his like attack thing. Yeah, that it, that but, was kind of ridiculous. But that well, actually, no, I will say, like because the first time that was introduced, I'm surprised that that hasn't developed into something new. But the first time that's developed, that makes sense because he's coming off of like, um, this was his military getup, so it makes sense that he'd just have some like, machine guns. But now that he's with the sure. whole crew, yeah, yeah I want to see something different. Where's the suit upgrade? Where's the Falcon suit that shoots out the you know the the wingtips and or the feather the metal feather shooting kind of thing that we saw sure. in like the comics yeah. or whatever? Where's that? Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think he could be really cool. I think Black Widow does not work in that like large scale context very well. Yeah, no, she doesn't. Well, and then and then her like suit upgrade was the uh, stun gun wrist bracelet to her hit, like stun gun gloves, whatever. Yeah, and that's cool stuff. Cool, like that's yeah. cool, but but not taking down an army. Sure. Or like uh, yeah. the opening scene of um, uh, Age of Ultron, where they're going through the forest. It's like <laughs> even there, she doesn't make a ton of sense. Hawkeye makes segue. sense. He's got he's got what range and stealth. She's got she's just <laughs> running through with two pistols. They don't even look like special yeah. pistols. It's like, wait. So, so guys, wait. let's let's just stop for a second. Should we title this the, the uh, this episode from Voltron to Ultron? <laughs> from Voltron to Ultron. <laughs> what is? I was just gonna say. I was just gonna mention something. That was like, did you just throw that in there just so we could try to get back to Voltron? <laughs> oh, I ju- no, I didn't. I was just trying to think of like other areas where Black Widow seemed pointless and out of place uh, like anyway. she's hey, like don't, i'm don't, just here because i'm part of the team <laughs> <laughs> well see I, I think it's all about the way that you set up a character to perform because if her role is like if we're going to talk about like making a james bond-esque sequence then having her and hawkeye go on some like espionage quest where they fight some guys in a hotel that makes perfect sense well great well, i love it yeah but if if you're talking about like large-scale battle for the fate of the universe like a, a woman with a gun a guy with a bow a guy with a wingsuit they just don't seem like as as powerful as relevant as like a literal norse god or yeah. a man 
who is like the foremost technological technological genius in the world, a man with spider powers. Like, well, they aren't meant to be, but I will say this: I, the reason I think that Black Widow and Hawkeye have more of a place there than Falcon is because they've done a good job. In, in from what I've seen, is like Black Widow and Hawkeye both have this sort of balancing between the two sides that we saw in Civil War. They're sort of that voice of reason in a way. Like between oh, yeah. Tony Stark no, and the between Tony Stark and uh, um, Steve Rogers side, yeah, like yeah. I I like that they make more sense there. That's why I don't like Falcon as much because he's just a Steve Rogers fanboy through and through throughout the entire show. It's like he's just no, no. I, he, I don't. I disagree. I don't think he's a fanboy. He's he's a companion. I mean, yeah. he's, it's it's this. He's he's a a little bit sidekicky, I guess. He is but, sidekicky, but. But like, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that that uh, that the two characters have really good chemistry, like on screen. I think that they work together really well. And so, um, you know, I, I the part of the problem with Falcon is is not that that he's a bad a character. Like that that his character his character works as again a balancing like a, a, a you know a sense of camaraderie with him and Captain. America. He kind of brings but, Captain America um, into like the 21st century mentality. He's yeah, kind of his I mean, like guide back to this isn't this, he, this he isn't helps, World War II. He helps buddy. humanize him a yeah, little bit because that's fair. because Captain America is always like I'm the force of American justice. It's like yo, dude, and when yeah, it's not a when his it's not a thing now. When his character is only that, like it's less engaging. But, oh yeah, but that having would be a somebody to play off at this point, yeah, you know, allows him to be a little bit more human. And and I think that part of the issue is is just that. You know, Fal- Falcon. I'm not saying that Falcon should not be a character, like that he shouldn't be a superhero character, but it's like almost like you kind of wish that Falcon, you you, you it the uh, the goofiness of his power sort of cheapens. I think how great he is as a supporting character, like in that relationship with Cap. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that makes total sense. Well, anyway, um, do we go back to Ultron now? I know we've just been Voltron. going. We've we've divulged. Oh God, <laughs> Voltron. We've divulged. We've 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 divulged. I think you mean diverged. Di- nope. I mean no. <laughs> divulged. We we've, we've shared Voltron's secrets. <laughs> oh God, dang it! You're right. Can we keep? So anyway. Maybe we should. Can we keep like some sort of like pronunciation counter, something like that, like. Uh, a little ting. A little ting. You know? Yeah. Ting. Little, like a Siri voice that says, you're up to four now. Like, what do we, we can get one of those set up or something. Well, it's just, uh, we'll, 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 we'll run a tally on the, on the, uh, the website when it goes up eventually. Like pe- <laughs> people will, you can tally each like, of all ours. right, all right. Who's, who's, who's in the lead as far as improper pronunciation? Well, <laughs> there you go. You just gained another one. I just one. added to the list. Yeah. Just right there. We'll do that and one for uh, no. when I, we dig ourselves we'll, into we'll, a grave we'll, with like sexism or racist comments somehow. <laughs> Things that can be construed as that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think the one thing and, and this is this is maybe a little bit more serious than our jokingness, but I think when, when you talk about issues that where you you might have some concern about coming off as sexist or racist I think that that uh, the great thing about sitting and talking with a group of friends is that you can kind of work through some of those those issues and, and uh, have an idea of, of where you actually stand. Yeah. And and maybe also uh, move away from from some of the 
some of the issues that you might have. Because I, I think that one of the worst things is that, you know, especially, I mean, we're three, you know, middle class white guys, you know, have, having these sorts of conversations. I think being able to, to kind of break outside of our, our um, social norm, our comfort zone, yeah. or, or talk about these things is helpful because I think one of the main reasons that, that people have trouble with, you know, harboring racist or sexist thoughts or feelings is that you don't ever have the opportunity to kind of get get it out and and air it yeah and then w- once you talk about it then you can kind of move past it you can you can understand maybe a little bit better you know why you are wrong or or even you know why why you were right about some things but you know wrong about others you know i, plus, I think i think it's worthwhile yeah no uh, absolutely plus it's like with this whole you know it's a little nerve-wracking too sometimes though, because you don't know who's gonna potentially just jump down your throat for even bringing it up like you can't talk about it that's what sure. yeah like the like cult of outrage kind of people where they're just looking for that one little blip to just one or one thing that you say to just attack sure. and and yeah. you can't even explain your side of it or come to an agreement so yeah yeah well, I, I think there's always a balancing act too, because mm-hmm. I, I think that you know, people who are are maybe offended by things aren't necessarily wrong. Uh, you know, some, sometimes it's worthwhile to stop and say, "Hey, okay, this person was offended. Why was the was this person offended?" And then maybe make adjustments accordingly. But but yeah, I think I I also think that that uh, there's a sort of cur- curtailing of free speech on uh, the far left side of things because you have to speak verbally you're like you have to to verbalize only content that fits a certain set of of uh i don't know like like uh, expectations on what's right and wrong i suppose um yeah it, it's it that that that's my only criticism of of people who are maybe part of what you consider outrage culture but mm-hmm. no yeah outrage culture would be also... like far far left side would typically be who like in my mind who i would associate it with and I mean, I, like I think that we're all like, you know, pr- pretty, I, we're, I think we would all fall on the liberal side of the spectrum, but, um, probably, I mean, yeah, there's certain, like, I don't know, I hear, you know, I, I agree with things that make sense to me. I think the majority of those and, and, fall somewhere on the liberal side, but. And that's why know. Sandal has a Donald Trump tattoo. <laughs> that's why I have a, a hairpiece tattoo on my lower back. <laughs> Well, Collins was just writing notes, getting ready to organize his his. Uh... It's like, how am I going to edit out this entire <laughs> section? How am I going to? Yeah, <laughs> he's like, uh, I need you guys to just talk about this, say these words real quick, so that I can cut this out, and no one will ever have to hear it. I mean, I okay. Um, well, anyway, Voltron's on uh, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the season... I really, uh, Joel, I Se- really wish you had seen the last season of it because there's something I want to talk about with that. Yeah, season five well, uh, came out. Sure, go, I mean, go ahead. I don't care. We can talk in about March. it. In um, March. And then the new season six will be out this July, I think. July? June or July. Hey, you know, unrelated to the plot, do you guys kind of feel like the show is being done a disservice by having these micro seasons? Yes. Because I, I do. I do too. I, I disagree. And the. Executive producer, uh, I forget her name, Lauren Montgomery. Yeah, that's her name. Uh, she actually brought a good point at Comic Con last year, 
Um, they're doing this because it allows the team, both staff writers and animators, to work uh, ahead so they can, you know, make the quality of the shows a little bit better. Now, I agree that, yes, we don't get the full, because technically this season five was supposed to be the 13 full episodes, but it yeah. wasn't. So they broke it up and they wanted to do that so they could, you know, work on the quality of the the show and, you know, polish up a few uh, plots. And so I, I agree with you guys. Yeah, we should have had the full 13, but I kind of like this because I'm not a binge watcher myself. So I kind of space myself out and watch them. And I, I really enjoy it because I like to absorb it and kind of, you know, reminisce of, oh, I remember, you know, this part scene in episode one of season five, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So well, and that's fair. Like a lot of times season or shows like this, like, you know, halfway through the season is a good point for them to like almost completely switch the storyline. Well, not completely switch the storyline, but like the setting or something has completely changed. No, like yeah, they, they finished they set once. it up. Yeah, they like they fin- like halfway through the season, they finished what they had set up at the beginning of the season. Now we've set up the secondary thing, and it feels like you've moved into a different season, but you haven't. No. So I, sure. I guess you know that yeah. kind of works, but I'm a little bit with Joel on this one. Like I, I don't know. It's I get what you're saying, Holland, but. A six season or a six episode season just kind of I'm like I just want a little bit more. But if the I don't know if if no, the quality that's just, stays good just like it guys is, want, then go you're for just, it. You're just you're just you're uh, just going with the whole binge culture. I need all twenty six episodes of this. <laughs> I need to watch it all now. It's like no, no, I, enjoy I, it. No, I, I disagree. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, it's not it's not that I want to watch a huge block of of content. I just want. I want a little bit more breathing room in the in the episodes like to I don't know just to to continue to live in that world and maybe be l- less plot focused and have maybe an episode or two more of of the uh like side content. Yeah, and some of the episodes too in these like when you get these small six episode seasons and like you were talking about earlier with um some episodes kind of diverge from the main story you have these little side stories that are meant for character development some of those like when you when you do one of those in a six episode season it feels like almost a wasted episode if if something that happened in the storyline of that one side story doesn't directly relate to where the main story is going and it's purely just like oh Pidge is now I don't know cool better at some personal thing or something like that i don't know it it makes it it detracts from the side stories to me if the season isn't as long yeah i i can i guess i could see that but i i like the way they're doing it because for me it's it's allows me to kind of think about it more and be like because this the fifth season really it was heavy in a lot of themes, uh, especially with uh, Lotor taking the the stance on what he believes in and what he's what next steps he's going to do. Because I'm still iffy on the his whole. You talking his, about Lotar? Yeah, Prince Lotor. I'm still. I don't really truly believe his whole. 
uh, I don't want to. It's not an act, but his motive. I don't think it's it's. Sure, his alliance is, yeah. is uh, it's not, for personal it's gain not, instead of. I don't believe. I still think there's something fishy with him, and that's what makes See, it. And that's what makes me intrigued about it because okay, they left it a big cliffhanger. Yeah, of course we yeah. know, but at the same time, it makes you want to go back and think about okay. This is what has perspired, and then kind of, and they eavesdrop a did lot. Did you say? Of, did you say perspired? <laughs> no. <laughs> Chalk another one up. I, D. I think you mean transpired. <laughs> yes, transpired. <laughs> what an the, idiot. the characters were extremely sweaty in this <laughs> they episode. They were. I mean, Keith was just. Yeah. Anyway. It's true. They were. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Well. But we'll see that because they really do all those episodes even previously had small little clues in there that make you think you're like oh okay I see what's going on and then you find out this Hagar girl is actually such and such so yeah it's cool yeah yeah. I, I'm not saying it, it makes the storytelling bad. I, it just makes it. It feels less. It, I my concern is that it feels a little bit like how Cora uh, got kind of jerked around. You know, like like I, I as much as I liked Cora in a lot of ways, I I also think that it didn't. It suffered from lacking a lot of the breathing room that that Avatar had, and that's why Avatar is fundamentally, I think, a better better uh, series. Especially since, like, if you think about the first series of of Cora. Uh, the first season, I suppose. I was going British on you. Um, uh, that that uh, it it uh, is like a like the the relationship between Korra and Mako is like really rushed. Like like they they get into that really quick, and they they kind of manage to taper off of it throughout the series. But they, they uh, I think you you lose a little bit in in having such a condensed plot. And that was because of financial issues, like, and it's not it's not yeah. a storytelling problem. It's people being told, "Hey, we need you to create a mini series with these constraints, and so you have to write all that content in because you think you're never going to get anything else." And then, like, the way that they jerked around, especially the final season of Korra, is like some episodes would like show up online and then not get broadcast on television, and then like they changed the release schedule all over the place, like. That sort of stuff, you know. My concern with like with Voltron is not like distribution because it's not like oh I have to tune in at eight p.m. and now I have to tune in at six p.m. and it's all over the place in that regard. Just that that having a lower budget in the in the other seasons just for each individual short season makes it feel like they're not meeting their full potential. That's fair. And you're talking about like <clears throat> character development wise. Yeah, just I, could, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's that sort of nagging feeling in the back of your mind that maybe they're not doing as much as they want. I could see that, especially if they keep if they continue with this setup, because that's what I was wanting to talk about. Was like um, where you think Lotor is really going to end up. I think he's he's going to end up being the next big villain for him. Sure. Yeah, I, I but think I can so. see that. Like if you try to set that up in that that I guess that one specifically would be an easy setup for like. The beginning of one season to the end of one season in six episodes or six or seven episodes, you could have a de- you know a, it develop to that without it feeling like all of a sudden one episode he just changed and it was like 
it, it, it was very abrupt. I because I wouldn't like that. I I would like to see more of the creep the the creeping development on that, or where he becomes you know fully evil or something. But oh, hey, I just want to to mention by the way that I was wrong when I was saying it was like a thousand years. It was ten thousand years. Oh, I don't wow. know, man. That, maybe that maybe they're... that quintessence is worth it because Zarkon lived for ten thousand years. <laughs> yeah, it says <laughs> it was according worth to it. the. Well, listen, it says, according to the series staff, Lotor is 10,000 years old because he was already conceived by the time Minerva entered the rift on Dibazol. So do they just live forever? It says, he was born after she became Hagar and admits to living several centuries worth of time. Yeah. The exposure to contestants in the rift, which has become part of his DNA, allows him to retain a youthful appearance as his body ages at a much slower rate than the other Galra. And then it says Ulura was born before Lotor because she was put into a stasis sleep for 10,000 years, and he instead experienced those 10,000 years worth of, worth of time. That's hey. very interesting. That's not something I picked up on, but when you said, like, it makes sense because you see the flashbacks of him being born. Yeah. That's crazy. He doesn't act like somebody who's lived for 10,000 years. He acts like a kid with daddy issues the whole for 10,000 years whoa no, he was a no, kid with daddy no, issues he, the whole no, time he doesn't, no he does not he does not have daddy issues at all oh nope not one he bit. has daddy issues he falls uh-huh. back on those my Paul is like I am sick of this podcast with you racist <laughs> sexist Voltron not understanding idiots well, no. his his whole um attitude and, and like um, character and when you first meet him he's calm he's collected he's confident he's not some person that, hey yeah okay I, I maybe see the daddy issues but he has a I know I, I I actually do agree with you there I, I don't think that he has like what we think of his daddy no issues. He, I mean, because he has a whole you know, different view of how he he has like some so, some sort of animosity with his dad. Yeah, yeah. Like for sure. But uh, no, his character is like totally different because you, like when you first meet him, you're like, oh, okay, this this is guy. But then you get to know more how he interacts with his entourage of the, um, his minions. Nah, he, he he's like, dang, he knows what he's doing. Like he's he's been planning this out for centuries. Yeah, if he's that old, he should have been. But I'm and, the thing I'm thinking with the daddy. Maybe not daddy issues, but <laughs> his, his everything about him, even that calm, collected nature, everything about him his, is is a direct influence of like him trying to go against his father in everything he's done in this show. Well, from what I've seen, like. Yeah, it, because it's always he, like, does, he doesn't believe in in his, in his father's motivation. Yeah, I no, I agree but with he's that. also trying to subvert what his father like the ideal son or the ideal being that he should be that or that his father thinks he should be. That's what he's always. That's why he's that he's the calm, collected. He's um, open to having high-ranking officers that aren't pure Galra. He tried to run the uh, system that his dad left him peacefully and try to learn their culture. Like, all of it is just, like... Yeah. It all comes back to, I don't want to be my father. Yeah, okay. Uh, sure, okay. It, I, I don't know. That's at I'm least that's what him. I was seeing. I'm sold. 
<laughs> but anyway, so um, yeah, if you guys like right. animation, good story, Voltron, hit it up. Sweet. Yeah. Anything else you feel like saying here before we wrap up then? Mm-hmm. Ratings? It's what a good you guys give it out of 10? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, why don't you start Sandal? Um, I'll give it a... I'll give it a 7.5. <gasps> Interesting. Out I of 10. It, I would I definitely it, recommend it. I gave it 5 lions out of 5 lions. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought about this a little bit before we talked, too. And, and I actually would say that uh, if we're talking a 10-scale ranking, this is probably an 8.5 for me. Okay. I think it's it's really good character development. It's really enjoyable animation. I like the world. I like the characters. I mean, it's not like a, a landmark series, which I would say is probably like you know a 9 or higher, but I still think it's a really great example of just good, solid children's animation. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Yeah, I'd give it oh. a nine, nine, or I'm sorry, an eight or a nine, probably. Okay. I had one question for Holland because I I do think that you've paid closer attention to stuff in this one, but. Through, <clears throat> yeah. Did they do that that annoying or well, that gives away how I felt about it, but that like Voltron forming animation. In all oh. the other seasons except for this last one. Oh, you have no idea uh, how that pisses me off sometimes. Like, right? They waste they waste uh, a good twenty seconds of just them forming Voltron. And so these, in these later seasons, like, okay, we get it. But I think yeah. it's for the kids. It's for the, uh, yeah, for the kids. It is. That's what but when I was watching that and like, every episode, every single time they form Voltron, Joel in the last season, they have that little like set animation of the the lions forming like they did the first time in like the first season when it actually <laughs> happened is every single time in the last season I'm like I really don't like this. Oh really? Yeah. See that's that's another thing that makes me concerned about the the cost. Like that sounds like a cost saving issue more than it does like an actual uh, hey pro- this belongs in the series. Probably. Sort of thing. No. It just it feels weird for them to start doing that now. Where no, forming okay. Voltron, so when, that's, when actually that, forming Voltron has become expected and not special. When season yeah. when season six comes out, I wanna uh, if that happens, then I'll know for a fact. Then yeah, someone's not telling the truth. Then yeah, for sure. And and I think honestly that uh, that uh, if you're letting your children watch season five of a. Uh, of a of a character plot focused show just because hey they're kids and whatever they can watch what they want then you you should be slapped like you should those parents should be slapped because you're not doing your kid any favor by letting them watch season five of a long running television series just because it's cartoon robots (laughs) it was it was shakespearean which which is my point in saying that like Everybody who's watching at this point should be people who have watched earlier content. Oh. It's all there. It's not like you have to like go and watch a rerun on television. I thought there Literally was some every adult episode is there. I thought there was some adult content in season five that I had just glossed over. I was like, you shouldn't just. No, 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 <laughs> oh, okay. no, 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 no. I'll, I'm literally only saying that if 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 you are just like, 
hey, little Bobby, why don't you watch season five, episode three as your first episode of, of Voltron? Because <laughs> they're all the same. It's just a big fighting robot show. Oh. Well, then, sure, this this little kid is going to be like, wow, that's a neat robot transformation. But, you know, you could if you're, if you're watching the series and you've been watching the series, then you get it. Yeah. They form Voltron. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, you're saying you can't just bust into any point of this. Yeah, no, there's more character development and story going on than to be able to just jump in randomly and and be, you know, getting the full feel of the show. I was imagining Joel just busting into a house like the Kool-Aid man and, oh no, (laughs) smacks the remote out of his hand. You're going to start from season one. Let me hold my remote. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take your remote, yeah. No, I would agree. Yeah, you you can't jump into this. You you should start from the from the beginning. It's worth it. Yep, it's a good building. It is. Yeah, I give it an eight. I'm gonna change mine to an eight. Seven point five does seem low. I didn't. I do actually enjoy the show a lot. I I would give it an eight. That's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, see you next episode. All right. Uh, I literally waved. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening.